0: What a surprise we had the one and only John Lee Dumas in the house. That's right. 12 years of publishing experience and making lots of moolah. That is right. Guys, we talked about how to build your network faster for growth and success. We also shared
1: why he shares all his numbers sales reports and everything all the secrets to his community
0: and one of my favorite how he gets to keep his community engaged and how he retains such a big community in a world where people just fly from one community to the other great episode so make sure you tune in listen all the way to the end and with that being said Let's go. Have fun. We've got some hey, I'm Luis. And this is Luis. And welcome to the Content is Profit podcast. In here, you're going to get the insights, <laughs> accountability, and drive to create consistently and increase revenue. You'll hear
1: from top entrepreneurs, creators, and anything and
0: everything you need to know about content. All this while having a good time. The this Podcast is simple. Entertain, educate, and turn your content into profit. Let's
1: Woo. go. Guys, if you're enjoying this show, go ahead and hit that bell and follow you on
0: your favorite podcasting platform because you don't want to miss today and all the other episodes. Just gonna say that. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> For you to follow us in social media as well, and if today's guest help you move one step closer towards your goal, which I am certain he will, mm. please don't forget to share this episode and leave a five star review. That's right. So, fancy
1: what are we talking about today
0: today we have one of the ogs the legend and Ooh. honestly honestly I just want to dig for gold I wanna <laughs> I, I wish we could the time he's 10 plus years of experience into a headline. But reality (laughs) is, is we're on discovery mode today. All
1: right. So buckle up because today, like Fonzie said, we have one of the OGs of the podcasting world here with us in Contents Profit.
0: That's right. He started over 10 years ago and now he's one of the flagship podcasts at the HubSpot Podcast Network and one of the most recognized podcasters, I would even say, in the worldwide world.
1: Mm, He has published over... 3,800 episodes. Ooh. He has over 130 million <coughs> listens, and he has earned over 24 million macaroons with his podcasting brand. Simply
0: mm. mind blowing. We don't have a, a sound <laughs> effects. So I'm making it myself. Please welcome the Lord of the podcast, soon to be named Prince of Puerto Rico the entrepreneur of fire himself, Johnny Dumas.
2: <laughs> What's up, John? Gentlemen, I am ecstatic to be here. The only problem with being called an OG is <laughs> that means you're old. So, you know, that's kind of one, one negative. I, I kind of miss being the young, fresh face in the podcasting space 10 years ago. But you know what? Time marches on. Um, now I'm the Prince of Puerto Rico, you know, living in a, a mansion by the sea. I got no complaints. What am I talking <laughs> about? <laughs> I,
0: I know it's well, like- you're, you're the young, fresh face <laughs> in content is profit. You know, just saying, <laughs> it will always be that.
1: But yeah, I know every time we, we talk with you, we're like, guys, it's like 80 degrees here. When are you guys making it to Puerto Rico? And we moved to Florida thinking it was just going to be good weather. But anyways uh today we're not talking about weather guys today we're talking about podcasting gold mm. and uh, i remember the first time john that we saw you speak live and uh that specific presentation really changed our output on on content our thought process around content and frequency and consistency right and obviously you've been so consistent over a long period of time and uh, the main problem that people come to us is like how can i actually be consistent right when they're starting out and you were preaching daily podcasting, right? And everybody's like, what are you talking about? That's so hard, right? So, do, do you wanna share a little bit of like why the daily podcasting or the daily, like higher frequency, right? Like what's your point of view around that
2: specifically? Sure, first off, what was that conference?
1: That was uh, podcast, in, in movement. Da- podcast movement yeah. in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Man, good times,
2: good times. <laughs> yes, so for me, like listen, I'm a big believer in the following. It's like you as an individual need to identify a problem in the world that's not being solved and become the number one solution to that problem. That's why, you know, I've always loved your focus and your content because it's like, hey, what's one thing that people are struggling with for sure? Um, It's not making content because anybody can make content, but it's profiting Mm-hmm. from that content that people have such a hard time doing. And so you are providing amazing solutions to that major real problem. And so back in 2012, I said to myself, what's a, what's a major problem in the podcasting space? Because I wanted to get into a podcasting space. And I said, well, there's a lot of podcasts, you know, a lot less than there are now. but well, there's still a lot of podcasts back then. Yeah. And I said, well, what is not existing in the podcast space that needs to exist? What's something that I wish I could press play on and, and I would love, what podcast would I subscribe to? And to me, the answer was pretty simple. I loved interviews with entrepreneurs. I loved consuming that content. And the shows that were out there were one day a week. And I said, well, well what if I did a show that was two days a week? That would be twice as many episodes as, as you know, Pat Flynn's <laughs> podcast, you know, a podcast that I loved when I was just listening to podcasts back in the day. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if I do two, why, why don't I do three? And I think you can see where this is going. I eventually just said, <laughs> "I'm going to do a seven-day a week podcast interviewing the world's most successful entrepreneurs." It's going to allow me to talk with thirty amazing people every single month, build my network faster, you know, just connect with people better. All these things. Like I was so excited about that. And guess what? The day that I launched, Entrepreneurs on Fire, it was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And you're saying to yourself, that sounds kind of arrogant. Well, guess what? It was the worst daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. It was the only daily podcast interviewing <laughs> entrepreneurs. And that's why I won because I owned and dominated the space. How can you do that with your life and your business? And so that's what I was preaching to people. Wasn't even necessarily doing a daily show because I don't think that is for everybody. What I was preaching was find the the yeah. void in your marketplace that's not being filled and fill that void better than anybody else's if people are currently filling that void then then find out if, if they're actually filling it well if they're not then come in and dominate them if nobody's filling that void awesome you're going to win because you're going to dominate and you're going to you're going to be the only only game in town and for a long time entrepreneurs on fire was the only game in town so if you wanted a daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs love me or hate me or somewhere in the middle i was i was all you got like that it was it so come and listen let's go
0: yeah i'm i'm pretty curious you mentioned the value of you know building your network right now that was one of the things that you like briefly mentioned you know 30 entrepreneurs every single month you're building your network faster you're growing and i'm curious how much did building your network play a role in your success overall Right? Because now you're was, meeting a lot of like-minded people.
2: It was everything. Because listen, I think one of the inspiring things about my journey, if I'm being honest, is that I started with from nothing in the entrepreneurial space, in the online space, in the social media. I had nothing. I had no background in any of this. I was starting mm. at ground zero. So everything I built was built upon The daily podcast, the connections Mm -hmm. that I made with the people that I was interviewing, the ability to get to know them, to network with them, to be on their show or whatever their content platform was. Back then, blogs were big. So maybe they write a blog post about me. Twitter was huge. Maybe they tweet something about me. Like It allowed me to have this just supercharged network where if I'm doing one show per week, that's four amazing people I'm talking to. That's great. Yeah. you know, what's greater than four 30, you know, what's greater <laughs> than 52, 365. Yep. And that's how many people I was, I was interviewing every year. Ah, That's so good. I mean, obviously you,
1: you mentioned here, like your, your differentiator, right? Like I was the best, daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs and that to me is a super interesting concept around people designing their publishing platforms right because there's now there's so much but we can also go niche on the type of things the type of conversations the topics but also niche on the your distribution strategy like how frequent and how consistent can you be and uh, when you mentioned this for the first time it was our first time listening to that concept specifically right so how, how were you able to conquer, right, over, you know, 3,800 episodes, so consistent over a long period of time? Because on the back end, right, a lot of the conversations is like, well, that sounds great. And then people get very excited and be like, all right, perfect. My decision is to do it. And then you start, you know, you open the hood and then you start looking at the intricacies of running a daily interview show and it can get very daunting. So how was that process for you initially? We're like, okay, how do you set it up so you can for success, right? And clearly, it has paid off in the, in the in the good way. So how was that process for you trying to design your show?
2: Listen, at first, it was just hard freaking work. It was just me waking up in the morning, working all day and then going to bed and then waking up and doing it all over again. Cause I was doing everything. I was finding the guests. I was reaching out to the guests. I was scheduling the guests. I was interviewing the guests. I was editing the episodes. I was letting the guests know the episode was going live. I was sending them the assets. I was writing the emails. I was, I was doing everything. And so it was just work. And I look back on that time very fondly because I had to acquire the skills to build the right team. And the only way that I was going to acquire the skills was to actually do the work, put in the reps, acquire the skills. And so by just, you know, grinding my face off for, you know, a decent amount of time, you know, months and months and months, mm. it allowed me to understand deeply what I had to do and then what I had to train when I did hire that first virtual assistant, how I, you know, wanted them to um, do the 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 work that I no longer wanted to do the things I could take off of my plate. So that was just a very important part of my journey was that mm. I was willing to work my freaking face off, gain the knowledge and skills that I needed to then hire and train the first person to start taking some of those things off my plate so that I could, number one, get some of that time back and maybe yeah. relax a little bit so I don't burn out. And number two, start looking at other ways that I can build the business so I can monetize, create revenue, and you know find some profits in this world yeah
0: yeah i'm i'm pretty curious about something something you mentioned was you know you were the best in the category but also you were the worst (laughs) in the category so meaning you niche down at that time so hard that you were the only authority whatsoever in that category right so you know fast forward you've been podcasting what uh, 12 years now somebody trying to niche down right and I don't know if you have an answer for this, but I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts. But I feel like the more you niche down, obviously, the smaller the audience gets, right? It might be a little bit more challenging to find that audience. It might be a little bit more challenging to grow on the podcast numbers on that side of things. So I'm curious now, right? Like somebody, Can somebody come into a category like entrepreneurship, right? Let's just put it broad and have success in there. Or do they need to niche down into that category of one to find some sort of success? I'm curious on how do you see both of them working maybe in tandem or you need a strategy that, you know, appeals to both, right? Maybe you're recording certain episodes that is appealing to a broader audience, but at the same time, you have those episodes that are niching down.
2: Step one is to identify your big idea. What is your big idea? What's that... Huge, awesome, exciting idea that you really have excitement, enthusiasm. You are fired up about because you love the topic, you love the idea of doing it, but that also you have the skills, the knowledge, the expertise. It's got to be that combo of both things because you've got to be able to add value in an area that you're excited about. Mm -hmm. But step two, and this is to your question, to your point, and this is where so many people fail is they just stay at step one, which is their big idea, which is a big idea and it's probably a great idea, but guess what? So many other people have had that big, great idea and they're doing it so the competition is fierce and you're going to get swallowed up. It's a red ocean. You're not going to find how to get traction and momentum because that's the hardest thing to do as entrepreneurs. So step two is discover the niche within your big idea that is currently not being utilized in this world, a void that is being ignored, an undervalued part of a market that is not being served right now. Like you really Mm. need to step back and say that is the next step. So not only do you have to think about niching, you have to niche your flipping face off. If you're not willing (laughs) to niche till it hurts to go all the way down to where you can look around that niche and say, I'm the best in this niche because either one, I'm the only, or two, the competition stinks, you're not going to win. But if you can niche down and become the number one solution in that niche, then you're going to get what almost every entrepreneur never gets, and that's why they fail, which is traction. You're going to get traction. You're going to get momentum, and that is so key and so hard to attain, but you're going to get it because even though the audience might be small, it will be mighty. And then over time, as you gain momentum, traction, notoriety, brand, influence, authority, fill in the blank, then you can broaden that niche out and do other amazing things. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, oh, this is so good. Traction, momentum, niche till it hurts. I love it. I just I put it in like big uh, bold letters. Um, you know. Oh, obviously you have not just one show you have multiple shows so i'm very curious right like we've had the conversation now for a few weeks if not months of like okay what's the next what's the next show right what's the next property and it's been always uh um, it's been always in our heads right so obviously content's profit has been our full focus uh when it comes to publishing why did you decide to open different verticals like in the podcast or uh, brought your podcasting real estate in a sense. Yeah, and uh, how were those initial steps I, into into building that? And I
0: want to add to that question just for context for the listener right now, right? Your main show, Entrepreneurs on Fire, but then, and I, I'm looking over here by your name on the Apple Podcast app, and you have a free podcast course that I'm pretty sure that thing is still getting traffic, and I think you recorded it in like 2018. <laughs> you have Podcasters Paradise that I think you stopped recording a few years back, but I'm pretty sure still gets some traffic, some listeners. Then you have Daily Fire, which is still active. I think it's been published for about five years. 60 seconds of daily inspiration with John Lee Dumas. And then you have The Daily Refresh, which is also active. And you do it on a daily basis. Very short episode. I think they're like three minute longs. And then you actually have Memoir, Audio Biographies. <laughs> I found that one curious. I didn't know you actually had that one. <laughs> but that one you stopped a while back. So I see that you have a lot of like podcasting real estate, some projects you have stopped here and there, and some you're still very, very consistent. So I just wanted to add that context for the people listening.
2: Once I got Entrepreneurs on Fire humming, you know, I built the team, I had the sponsors in place. I was working on Entrepreneurs on Fire five hours a week. And that's currently what I do. Every Thursday, I'm in the studio that you're looking at. And from 1 p.m. until 5 p.m., I'm doing back-to-back interviews for the show. That's the only time I'm working on the podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. My team does all the rest as far as everything else that it takes post-interview. So that is something that's you know I've been able to create. So I had the system, the team, the process in place so that I'm putting in four to five hours at most per week. Yeah for entrepreneurs on fire. That gives me a lot of free time. So I decided I'm going to try some different things. Let's try a daily inspirational show for 60 seconds. Let's try the daily refresh, which is a quote, gratitude and guided breathing. Cause I'm a big person about, you know, breath and breath work. So these are just some things that I've been excited about memoir. You know, I've always been into yeah. history. So I said, I'm going to try, you know, doing a, a, a series around Alexander the Great. Because I wanted to learn about him anyway. So I'm like, why not do a podcast about it? So I did a podcast <laughs> about it. And I'm like, who's the next person? Well, I don't feel like doing anybody else. All right. Must need to show up, but yeah, I don't, I'm not going to re- record any more episodes. So I've, I've just been able to try a lot of different things over the years. Courses, coaching, mastermind, conferences, journals, books. Because I've built my core business, my main revenue generator, Entrepreneurs on Fire, yeah. into just a machine. And that machine gives me the freedom to try other things and to just have some fun.
1: I love it. Every time we're like uh, driving, you know, with my wife, Katie, she, uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a great podcast idea. And she's like, oh my gosh, add it to the list. <laughs> add it to the list, Louis. So
0: <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, we, we need to get content <laughs> to profit to your level. So then we can start, you know, hitting all those um, ideas. <laughs> I,
1: yeah. And, and you mentioned revenue, right? Like uh, one of the things that uh, was super interesting to me is like how open You are with your numbers, right? Like you go Mm -hmm. to your site and it's like right there in your face. Right. (laughs) And it's full transparency on like how you monetize your show. Is this part of your strategy with the people that you help with, uh, with your community? Like why, why being so open with the numbers um, around your, your properties?
2: Back in 2011, when I was first kind of starting to think about getting into the online entrepreneurial game, I, you know, I stumbled across a couple individuals who are publishing Monthly income reports. And I was just so intrigued. I'm like, this is so interesting. It allows me to learn so much about them, about their business, about what works, about what doesn't work. And it was really during those days that I pledged to myself, hey, if I ever get to the place where I'm creating real revenue, where I'm generating a profit, like I want to share this with the world. Like I I really want to share like how we're making our money, where we're spending our money, the successes we're having, the failures we're having. Mm -hmm. I want to do that. So at the 13 month of Entrepreneurs on Fire, we hit the six-figure mark, made over $100,000. And I started publishing a monthly income report and we just haven't stopped. We actually just published our 114th income report. Wow. And uh, that's 114 months. And we bring on our lawyer for a legal tip. <laughs> we bring on our accountants for a tax tip and to validate the numbers. And we just are really excited. And, you know, it's one of the most visited sites on our, on our website because it's doing what I, I'm hoping that it does is show people our successes yeah. so that they can emulate our successes. It shows our failures so you can avoid our failures and just kind of gives you some great tips and tactics in the, in the tax and um, legal side of things as well. Yeah, no, I love it.
1: So I'm Mm. in my head, I'm going through like, okay, um, imposter syndrome, a hundred percent, you know, like how, like, I guess in your head, right? Like when, when we come, when we help People starting to publish so we ran a 45 live publishing challenge where people had to go live for 45 days straight right on whatever platform they chose to do in that case for us you it was Facebook right and a lot of it is like oh my gosh I'm gonna have to share all of this or I'm gonna have to share this story right and it tends to be like that first hump when it comes to publishing kind of opening up a little bit on on that side right and obviously right now with your reports and the way that you conduct your business and the way that you conduct your interviews is full transparency like right off the bat right like this is what i do this is how i do it this is why we do it right so was there obviously inspiration from the story that you just told but was there a moment where you were like oh we sh- maybe we should not do this or what's your tip on people that are like in the fence right because it seems that it works right you put it out there and you are definitely helping people inspiring them so so many Right. So what's your tip for people that are like in that space right now that they that they're trying to publish, but something's stopping them?
2: Well, number one, like you need to realize that no like and trust. Like it's so important to build with your audience, but it's so difficult to build with your audience. And, you know, the fake it till you make it that crowd that they just never are able to build the, the real no like and trust. Like you want people to to go along with you on your journey. So there's so many people that are listening to this right now that are like, you know what, when I make my first $5,000 a month, you know, then I'll start, you know, publishing content. Or when I make my first $25,000 a month or whatever that number is you have in your mind, Mm. that's when they think that they're going to start. And the reality is you start today. You start with what you have. You start with where you are. Because frankly, People at this stage, and I get this, so I'm saying this like with you know some disappointment, but also some understanding. They really have a hard time relating to me because I'm over a decade into my journey. You know, I've been making Mm. seven figures a year for ten years now. Like, it's Mm. a business that a lot of people can't relate to, and it seems unattainable to them. Even though it's not, it seems unattainable to them. But that's why you as a listener right now that are saying like, you know, I don't know why like, I just can't sit down and create the content that I know I need to do. It's because you're not understanding. The truth is that people actually want to see you at your most vulnerable. They want to see you at step one of your journey. They want to go along with you because that's where the real learning is. That's where the real authenticity and transparency is. That's where the know, like, and trust is built So do it today where you are. Just be open, be honest, take people with you, and they'll be rooting for you.
0: Incredible. Um, John, I know we're getting here close to the end. I do have one question that I've had for for a few minutes now, and is, I think it's incredible the community that you have created, and I find it even more incredible, the fact that you've retained a lot of that community for a very long period of time, right? And I know community is now the buzzword in the marketing (laughs) ecosystem, right? Everybody is building their own communities and it is extremely important, right? But how have you managed to retain so many people, especially too, I feel like when communities get too big, it is a challenge to keep them involved and retain them for longer periods of time. So- What specifically, you know, maybe if you can pinpoint one or two things have helped you with retaining that community on the long term?
2: Number one, we're always sharing the latest and the greatest because things are always changing. Things are always, you know appearing out of nowhere, you know, we can talk, you know, as an example, chat GPT and just the whole AI movement. I mean, this is changing everything. And Mm. so we're always sharing the latest and the greatest. We're always testing new things, whether it be podcast advertising, like we did with Mopod, we just had, Mm. you know, a big share, you know, on our income report last month about our three months, um, podcast advertising with Mopod. So we're always trying new things, sharing the latest and the greatest. So everybody in our community knows, that if they stay in our community, Mm -hmm. they're going to stay up to date. They're going to have their finger on the pulse because our fingers are on the pulse and we're sharing everything. So that's such a key thing. Also, we really foster the individuals in our communities to be sharers as well, to be supporters as well, to share their journey, their truth, their thoughts you know, no question is a dumb question. No share is a bad share. If you just got your first 10 listens on an episode, be proud of it, be loud of it, share that. And the next month when it's 23, you're grew by over a hundred percent. Like let's celebrate that. Like let's celebrate together. Let's share together. Let's be in this together. You know, really foster this sense of we're all here for each other You're going to stay, you know, up to date and relevant on what's most important to you in the podcasting space. And just the fact that they know that Kate and I are there, we're there every single day in the Facebook group. And right now I'm speaking about Podcasters Paradise, which is the biggest podcasting course and community in the world. We're there in Podcasters Paradise. We're answering people's questions, question by question by question. And the value is clear. So they stay month after month after month.
1: I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, the whole episode has been a massive ball of <laughs> value. And, uh, you know, Fonzie wanted gold at the beginning of it. And uh, gold oh, yeah. it was. So, John, to wrap up the show, there's a question that we love to ask is, and wh- where will you be if you never started publishing?
2: Great question. I-, I tremor at that thought because I was pretty lost back in 2012. I was in a career I wasn't excited about. Going nowhere. Um, I was I was searching for inspiration, and if I hadn't started publishing content, it's 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 very unknown. But I would definitely not be standing here talking to you today for obvious reasons. So I shudder at that. Yeah, I'd be in probably in some very unfulfilling traditional nine to five job, counting down the years till retirement. Mm. Now I have the exact opposite life. I live you know, in a dream house overlooking the Caribbean. And I spend almost every day just by the pool, you know, hanging out with my dog and my wife and, and and having a blast and doing what I do, travel when I want to travel, you know, being philanthropic in the causes that I believe in. And it's, it's all because I decided to publish content. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Right. For those having questions around publishing, go ahead, start. The roadmap is in this episode, John, this has been wonderful. Funzy, anything else you want to add?
0: just want to say thank you. Um, I know you said there for a moment that you can stop being relatable when you get too big, but John, you do a great job of being relatable. You know, you. and um, you know one of the best memories I've had from Podcasting Movement is when we went and and had dinner together, and I was like, wow, it's so cool to see that John is actually how he is in the interviews. Like, you know, a lot of people you see them online. And then so when you I'm meet in them in, 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 in person, yeah. they're not the same person. Right. And I can vouch for, you know, everybody's like, you are the exact same person. You are as genuine as they come. And I also want to thank you, man. It was an absolute pleasure having yeah. you here.
2: Anything it else? was a blast. Thank you, guys.
1: Yeah. Anything else you want to add, John, as we wrap up?
2: Nope, that's it, man. Just enjoyed chatting with both of you today and uh, HubSpot Podcast Network for the win. Yeah, that's
1: right, guys. All you got to do is scroll down and all the links are going to be right there to connect with John, their team, and uh, find out more information about what they do and their amazing community. And uh, with that said, thank you so much for tuning into a Contents Profit Podcast. Go ahead and follow the show in your favorite podcasting platform and on social media at
0: Biz Bros Co. That is right. And if you are on fire after today's interview <laughs> with John Lee Dumas, make sure you share this episode and and leave a five-star review. See ya. Bye guys.